Welcome, welcome, witches, babes, sluts, and days to love, lust, and magic. I'm your host, Gabriella Herstic, and today we are going to be talking about some real witchy shit. In this episode, I am going to share hopefully everything you need to know to begin a practice with witchcraft and to be able to call yourself a witch. Obviously, like there's so much more than I can talk about in an hour, an hour and a half, maybe two hours. We'll see how long this goes um, with this, with the craft and with this practice. But my goal is that after this episode, you will walk away feeling empowered and feeling feeling witchy as shit. So for this episode, the book that I am using is one that I wrote of course. I wrote Inner Witch, A Modern Guide to the Ancient Craft, which in the UK is known as Craft, How to Be a Modern Witch, to really answer like all the basic Witch 101 questions. I will kind of be using this book as a guide through this episode, so if you haven't grabbed the book or checked it out, I highly, highly recommend it. I wrote this book because it's the book that I wanted when I started on this path more than 15, 17 years ago. Wow, I'm old. Um, Anyway, you can get it at your local library, at your local bookstore, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, whatever, on Kindle, on audiobooks. So go snag Inner Witch if you haven't, or just grab a notebook and take some notes and then do as you please. So let's get down to the bitchin' witchin' basics. What is witchcraft? There's unfortunately no one answer to answer what witchcraft is or what a witch is because these are metaphysical, elusive, and intuitive expressions of the universe that cannot be pinned into one box. But if I had to describe what witchcraft is, I would describe it as a nature-based spiritual practice or path that honors the cycles of the earth the cosmos, so the sun, the moon, the planets, and the stars, and the self by working with energy through magic, spells, and rituals. I know it's a lot, so let's break it down more. At the root of witchcraft is a reverence for and an honoring of nature, of the natural world, of the cycles of the sun and the moon, of the motion of the planets and the stars, and of the ways that we are all intricately linked, animals, humans, the planet, earth, nature, we're all different manifestations of the same thing. And witchcraft really plays reverence to the way that we're all connected. Witchcraft utilizes energy by directing it when paired with intention and action through spells and rituals. So witches do practice magic. It is a real thing. And magic, the way that I describe it, is energy and intention. It is a way of using your consciousness and your will to create change both in yourself and in your outer realm. And you do that through ritual, through creating a sacred space of reverence, through taking time 
to be with yourself and focus on what it is that you want to transform within your life and within your circumstances. And then a spell is the action within this that you're going to be doing to transform whatever it is you're transforming. And what I mean by that is you can practice spells, which I describe as energy plus action plus intention for healing, for love, for banishing or sending something away, for manifesting or drawing something in. You can practice spells for literally whatever you want. When I am talking about this, I am not talking about black magic or white magic, which sometimes you'll see in some witchy texts. Energy is just energy, and it is our lens which makes things positive or negative. Energy just is. But when I'm talking about witchcraft and magic, I'm specifically not talking about impeding on somebody else's will. I don't condone it unless you are taking a proactive stance and you're using magic for the protection of somebody else or a group of people. So magic against rapists or magic against um, abusers or magic against, you know, somebody like Trump. To me, that's different than just casting a spell on somebody because you want them to do something. And that's a little bit more intense than what we're going to get into today. So a ritual might be something like taking a bath under the full moon and then putting some nice oil or lotion on your body and meditating. While a spell, the simplest example that I have of a spell is the happy birthday song and blowing out a candle. So if it's somebody's birthday, they're sitting there, they have their cake in front of them, they have candles on their cake and you're singing them happy birthday, which which is the action. You're using your voice and the vibrations of your voice to sing happy birthday, which is the energy. And you have the intention of them having a beautiful new year and a happy birthday, which again is the intention. So those three things together, the action of singing, the energy of actually raising your voice and the intention of having wishing somebody a happy birthday is a really, really simple example of a spell. Another example of a spell could be lighting, carving a candle with a word that you want to manifest more of. So in witchcraft, we work with correspondences. So linkages or links between certain things that have similar properties. If you think about love and you think about the goddess Venus, the goddess, Roman goddess of love, receiving sex, wealth, beauty, and glamour, you think of roses, you think of chocolate, you think of reds and pinks, all the kind of classical associations of like Valentine's Day and love. Um, These are correspondences. So if you want to do a spell for love, you might take a pink candle, you might write love on it, and then you might light the candle and raise the energy through singing or dancing or moving your body or masturbating um, and focusing on the energy and the intention of love. So the action would be the raising of the energy and the lighting of the candle, the ener- or the action would be carving on the candle and the movement to raise the energy and the intention is for love. So spell work can be really simple. It can be something like holding an intention in your mind as you're saying an affirmation out loud and rubbing your palms together until they're warm 
and using your palms to direct the energy to the universe, to the heavens, to raise that energy and to manifest it. And spells can also be really complicated. You can use things like herbs, candles, um, working with different deities to raise the energy for what you want. And most of the time, when you're practicing a spell, when you're casting a spell, which often use words or charms, like affirmations or prayers to charge the spell with your intention, you're going to be doing so within a, an environment that has been cleansed, that has been purified, that has been aligned with your intention, right? Like the thing with magic is that it is taking place in a space between time and space. It is not the everyday mundane um, life expression that you live when you're running to the bank or running errands or going to your work. Magic takes place in a separate plane of existence. And to get there, we have to make sure that our environment is supporting us in this. So rituals are a way for us to create these sacred spaces for magic to be able to manifest, for us to go into this altered state, to connect with the earth, the cosmos, the self. And all of those things are part of the spells and rituals. You can work with the cycles of the moon, of the sun, of the zodiac signs to create rituals and spells that are even more supportive. So, Again, if we're casting a spell for love, then we might cleanse and clear our space using sacred smoke and sacred waters. You'll take something like um, ethically sourced Palo Santo or lavender or mugwort and you'll burn these dried herbs and you'll fan them out. So you'll light them and then fan them out. So the smoke starts, you know, dissipating and you'll walk counterclockwise to but to banish to let go of any energy in your space and you'll bless the space you'll thank the herbs you'll allow those herbs to cleanse the space with the sacred smoke and then you'll use water rose water for love would be great and then you will go the same way counterclockwise to banish and you will cleanse your space sprinkling water in each corner that's one way that you can create a ritual space. You can also create what's called a witch's circle, which you can walk clockwise one to three times using your finger or a wand and declaring that this is a space in which magic happens. Your witch's circle is a really important part of your work when you're casting spells. Not only does it set this kind of ritual in a specific space, but your witch's circle is a sphere that extends above your head and below your body. Like it is a literal circle that encompasses your whole ritual space, your whole space that you're going to be using for the spell. And in this space, in this circle, only that which serves your highest good, which vibrates in 100% divine light, which is aligned with your intention, can penetrate this barrier. And you can repeat that. I open the switch's circle, only that which serves my highest good, which vibrates in 100% divine love and light, which celebrates my existence and my magic, can penetrate this barrier. All negativity, all negative energy, and all energy that does not serve me is unable to move through my witch's circle. This not only cont like contains your energy, 
for when you're raising the energy for your spell because that's a part of the spell like when you're doing something like a candle spell for love you want to get the energy to this peak to this cone of power and when your energy is at the peak you'll send it out and that circle that sphere not only protects you from outside energy but it acts as a like a container that holds the energy until you're ready to let it go into the universe so let's just take a second to break it down the ritual is the act that contains the spell it is an act of sacredness you do not have to perform a spell for every ritual you do. Your ritual might be something daily like meditation and visualization. It might be cleaning your space with sacred smoke. It might be um, singing and dancing and praying. Or it might be casting a circle and then doing a spell. It could be your ritual could be on the full moon and the new moon, taking salt baths and using salt scrubs and using really nice body oil and treating your body like a temple it is. A ritual is an action that separates the mundane from the sacred. It is a way for you to get in touch with your divinity because witchcraft is an affirmation of your sacredness. Witchcraft is not a religion. You can be any religion and practice witchcraft. Witchcraft is a spiritual path. And as long as you're honoring the energy of the universe and how that is reflected in yourself, then you're you're good. There's no one dogma. Witchcraft is not as uh, centralized or rather it is not a um, organized religion. It is a spiritual practice that is able to adapt for you. So your spells are going to be customized to your interests. If you love drawing and painting, if you love music or collage, if you're like me, very sexual, you can work with sexual energy. You can work with sex magic. If you love cooking, you can work with kitchen witchcraft. You can use herbs and food as a way to infuse your intention. And then when you eat the food, you are bringing it through your body. Witchcraft is the most potent when it fits into your life, when it is something that aligns with your interests, when it is aligned with your passions, whether that's math or marketing or music or beauty. There are so many ways to be a witch and your spells and your rituals will be a part of that. So again, everything is energy. Witchcraft uses this energy to transform by bringing this energy into a setting like a ritual where you are creating a space that is sacred and different to your day-to-day -day life. You are able to commune with the universe. So what? how do we create these rituals? How do we create these spells? The really, like there's a lot of different ways to do this. And what I suggest first is aligning with the cycles of the moon. Witches are simps for the moon. We fucking love the moon. I mean, think about it. Every person who's ever been able to see has looked and seen the same moon for billions of years. That is really magical. The ancients honored the cycles of the moon. They recognized that there's the 28-day cycles that align with the menstrual cycle. They recognize this ebb and flow and how it's connected to the tides of the ocean. So the moon begins each lunar cycle new, inky black, fresh, 
can't see her at all. And this is the time when we too begin anew in our cycle. We can focus on what we want to grow, what we want to cultivate. This is called sympathetic magic, magic that imitates a desired outcome. So as the light of the moon grows between the new moon and the full moon, which is about 14 days, that is the waxing moon. During the waxing moon phase, we focus on what we want to bring into our life. As the light of the moon gets greater and greater, we too can align with that energy and manifest. And the new moon is the time when we plant these seeds. This is a time to do spells and rituals for manifesting, for bringing in, for welcoming. And you don't have to manifest every time you do new moon magic. You might focus on healing or bringing in more peace into your life or bringing in more connection to the divine. It doesn't have to be getting things. Magic does not have to be transactional. And I actually think that the more advanced or the more, the deeper you get on your path, the less it becomes about getting things and it more and more becomes about aligning yourself with the divine and with the earth and with magic. So the full moon is the orgasmic peak of the moon's energy. This is when the moon is at our most expansive state. This is when we focus on really, you can continue to manifest and call in. You can focus on realigning, on really being in your power. So you can practice love magic. You can practice healing magic. You can practice magic for abundance. And you can also begin to release things because from the full moon, to the new moon, another 14 days, this is the waning moon. This is when we're letting go. So after the full moon, the full moon is the peak of the power. So you can really like continue to focus on what you've been focusing on for the past two weeks from the new moon to the full moon. And then from the full moon back to the new moon during the waning moon, you let go, you release. It's a time to let go of the things that are holding you back. It's a time to release patterns. It's a time to release whatever you've been clinging to that's no longer serving you. It's a great time to work with fire magic to transmute. It's a great time to practice meditations of letting go. And if you are like, I don't know when the waxing moon is and when the waning moon is, remember this, wax on, wane off. Wax on, wane off. Wax on, so the full moon you're, you're adding, bringing things on, and then waning is letting go, taking things off. The moon represents and is connected to the intuition. Although there are traditions and different cultures that celebrate the moon as masculine, in witchcraft, the moon represents our inner world. Just like in astrology, your lunar placement or your moon sign represents your emotional state. The moon represents our intuition, our connection to our cycles, our ability to bring forth into this life and to release everybody has a womb. We all have that space within us. It is not necessarily have to be a physical thing. We all have the ability to bring forth and to create. Yes, people with uteruses can hold babies, but people with penises still come. They still ejaculate. They still bring forth and something into this world through that. We all have this ability to create Witchcraft recognizes the power of the mind and our ability to shape our world with our thoughts, with our hearts, with our bodies. The moon is connected to these cycles of birth and death, intimately connected to the divine feminine, to the receptive, to the strength, to the force of sexuality and creation. 
that permeates the world. When we work with the lunar cycles, we're also honoring our own inner cycles. We're honoring the transformation within. So if you're looking to start a witchcraft practice and haven't already, I really suggest downloading an app like Time Passages or um, using a website like an astro.com, astrotheme, um, getting like a lunar planner and keeping track. And there's also like moon, um, moon cycle apps keeping track of when the new moon and the full moon are and beginning that two times a month to focus on spells and rituals. The new moon would be a really good time to practice rituals and spells for calling something in. So last week we had the new moon in cancer or this week we had the new moon in cancer. So a moon rules, a, a new moon, the beginning of a lunar cycle ruled by cancer which is the only zodiac sign ruled by the moon. And it happened to be on moon day, a very, very lunar moon. So this, this was a really good time to do um, spells around healing, around healing the lineage, healing the body, connecting to your emotions, anything like that. So taking a bath and speaking affirmations and maybe pulling some tarot cards and setting an intention for the month ahead might feel more resonant for something like that where it's a very soft moon. It was a very intense energy versus a Leo new moon next month ruled by the sun because Leo is a fire sign ruled by the sun. Next new moon, the Leo new moon is a great new moon to work with um, for calling in passion and energy for claiming your voice for claiming your power that would be a really good time to work with fire magic with the element of fire through writing something and burning it up really really simple but potent ritual writing what you want to call in or what you want to release burning it as an offering maybe adding some herbs there to support the intention um, the leo new moon would be a really good time to do that or to work with candle magic to carve in orange or red or yellow candle to represent the solar power of leo with a word you want to call in so maybe you're calling in more inspiration and passion you would write passion on a small or any sized candle and then burn it. And as you're burning it, maybe chanting or dancing or masturbating to raise the energy for the intention and sending it out. The full moons take place the take place when the moon is in the opposite sign of whatever the sun is in. So during Leo season, Leo and Aquarius are opposites. So the full moon in Aquarius takes place during Leo season, just like the full moon in Leo takes place during Aquarius season. The zodiac signs that the moon and sun are in will help guide you to find more specific rituals that are going to be more supportive for your work. It is a lot and it is a language. Um, in inner witch, I have lots of charts to help you. So I have charts with each zodiac sign, each planet, the energies, therefore, um, that you can work with to continue customizing your spells and rituals. So some really simple spells are writing a letter and burning it up, whether that is something that you want to release or what you want to call in, working with candle magic, writing or carving on a candle a word 
the symbol for the sun or the moon or the zodiac signs, any other sigils or empowered symbols that you've created can go on these candles. And you can also use oils associated with your intention to draw in or release whatever you want. So if I'm going to work with the Leo new moon to call in passion, I might work with a yellow candle for, or, um, probably an orange candle for passion or a red candle for passion. I might write the word passion on the candle. I might carve the symbol for Leo on the candle and the symbol for the moon on the candle. And I might use some cinnamon oil, spice, life, protection, inspiration. And I will go from each end in to draw in to my candle what I want. And as I'm doing that, I'm focusing on what I want to bring into the into this lunar cycle beginning at the new moon in Leo. And then I'll light the candle and maybe I'll do something that inspires me. Maybe I'll dance, maybe I'll sing, maybe I'll move, maybe I'll masturbate. And as I'm doing that, I'm re- feeling the energy in my body. And as I get to the peak of the energy raising, I'll hold my palms out to my candle and send it out. And then I'll just close my ritual, ground, and I'll let the candle burn. So spells can be just that, but they're going to be a lot more powerful when you have, again, rituals surrounding them. When you've taken the time to breathe, when you've connected to the earth below and the heavens above, when you've pulled the energy from the heavens through your body, when you've seen this as roots that move deep into the earth beneath you. And then when you visualize this energy moving through these roots and up your body, cleansing you, you will do that kind of grounding before and after your ritual to make sure that you are in the most centered state possible to make sure your rituals are as powerful as possible. So that could be a new moon in Leo moment. And then the full moon in Aquarius, which relates to being yourself, which relates to authenticity, self-expression, um, being guided by your truth. Maybe you'll recognize that there were blocks for your inspiration because you have some self-doubt, because you have this, you don't believe in yourself. So for the full moon in Aquarius, maybe you write a letter to yourself and you hype yourself up and you talk to yourself and you write all the things that you're doing incredibly and you write about all the things that you want to let go, all of the old beliefs that are not serving you and you burn it. You write this letter and then you burn it. And as you burn it, you dance around or you chant or you shake and you yell and you raise the energy and allow it to be sent out. You don't have to do spells every full moon and every new moon, but I do highly recommend using the full moon and the new moon to connect to your cycles. So if you don't want to do a spell because you're like, I'm actually good. Like there's nothing I need. I don't need to release anything or draw anything in. You can work with rituals. And I really recommend having this time to check in with yourself more than twice a month. But if you're going to just start and you want to do something consistently, practicing rituals at these times are really supported. Some practices for rituals that you might want to do for the full moon and new moon include meditating, This can just be with your breath. It can be a guided meditation. I highly, highly, highly recommend the app Insight Timer. Again, that is Insight Timer. It has a meditation app or a meditation tracker. So you can go like if you just want to meditate 
for 10 minutes. It'll have a little gong or whatever sound you want to let you know when it's done. And they have a lot of guided meditations as well for different minute for different time increments, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 20. I'm not getting paid by the way. I've just been using Insight Timer for almost five years and I love it. It's a really great app, but there's also apps like Headspace or there's other ones, you know, you can go on YouTube and do a guided meditation. But meditations, pulling tarot cards or oracle cards, so cards for divination, cards that help you see different perspectives, both of possible outcomes and within yourself. Um, really, really great time to do that or to journal. Full moons and new moons are a really great time, especially actually both, to take a cleansing bath or a cleansing shower. So you might want to take a bath and add Epsom salt. Salt is a really, really small, fine crystal, and crystals hold on to and absorb energy. So when you are working with salt and you are taking a salt bath, you are allowing that energy that no longer serves you to be absorbed by the salt crystals. Your bath becomes a cauldron of transformation. And when you add different herbs in there, you are amplifying the energy. So um, you, if you're doing a spell for love, if you were going to do that candle spell with the pink candle and write love on the candle and then do sex magic or working with sexual energy to raise the energy for your intention, you might want to take a bath and add salt and add some rose petals and maybe add some lavender for healing and some Damiana for spiciness since Af uh, Damiana is an aphrodisiac. If you want to draw in a love that is also very sexual and powerful, you'll add a few um, pinches of these herbs either directly to your bath. You can get like little tea sachets or like a tea ball strainer and add them to your bath that way. And you align the bath and purify yourself. And then maybe out after that, you come, you ground, you cast your circle, you maybe pull a tarot card or an oracle card to see how this ritual will support you in drawing in love. And then you will take your candle, you'll write love on it. Maybe take some oil of frankincense and myrrh and from each corner, draw in the oil into the middle of the candle and then light the candle and practice sex magic or move or do whatever is going to get you into your heart as you raise the energy. And then when you're done, you'll let the candle burn and you know, you'll you'll let it burn all the way down and you can dispose of the candle wax at a crossroads so at a three or two or three way intersection or three to four way intersection rather um, at a garbage can the modern witch's crossroad is a three or four way intersection with the garbage can babes you heard it here first but you might not even do the spell for a rich for your ritual your ritual might just be doing something that makes you feel like a goddess of love dry brushing, taking a really nice shower, uh, massaging your body with oil, journaling, and thinking and reflecting on what the past, you know, two weeks or month have been depending on the lunar cycle. So I also highly, highly recommend the practices of meditation and visualization to any and all witches, occultists, spiritual seekers, mystics, because those two things are going to allow your magic to be so much more powerful. Taking three to five minutes, if you can, every day to sit and to breathe and to connect with yourself. 
to visualize what you want out of your day, to visualize your body being filled with light, with love, with energy. It is going to transform your ability to focus when you're practicing magic because magic is a focused act. It is an act that needs your will and your focused attention to manifest. The more that you're able to sit in meditation, the easier it's going to be to practice spells and rituals and be present. And more than that, babes, meditation feels really good. When you are able to get into the groove of meditating, there is a spaciousness that happens where things just drop away and you're just present and it feels delicious. Meditating is a foundational practice for any magical art, whether you're practicing alchemy or dream magic or sex magic, whatever it is. So I highly recommend that practice. So there's so many ways to work with magic and there's so many ways to be a witch. But what kind of witch are you? Are you a glamour witch? Do you like working? Are you really into fashion? Are you really into beauty? Do you know the power of transforming your outer world and how this affects your inner world? You can work with clothing as a means of transforming your life by stepping into your embodied self by working with color and texture and silhouettes and using this to step into the version of yourself that you want to be. By picking out an outfit every day with intention, you are casting a spell on yourself. Magic transforms you from the inside out, but glamour transforms you from the outside in. Fashion and style transform you from the outside in. And when you pair that with intention, you are transforming both from the outside in and from the inside out. So you might want to work with fashion and with clothing as a way of transforming your life and transforming your world. Or you may really be creative and into art and you may use your art as a means of manifesting, collaging, working with poetry or working with um, sigils, creating symbols that represent a desired outcome and putting this into the art you create. Art is so powerful, whether it's poetry or songs and music or visual arts or sculpture. When you are manifesting something from nothing, that's an act of magic. So you can absolutely work with art as a way to connect your magic. Maybe on the new moon, you begin a new piece and you work with it a little by little every day up until the full moon. And then on the full moon, you cleanse it with sacred smoke and you visualize whatever this piece represents for you coming into reality and you hold your palms in front of the piece on the full moon and visualize energy from the moon moving through the crown of your head through your body out your palms and into this piece of art then this art becomes a living talisman or a, a piece of magic that or something that represents an intention. A talisman is traditionally a piece of jewelry or a piece of wood or paper that has been charged with an intention and acts as a physical vessel for that intention. So maybe you work with art as a talisman. Maybe you love to cook and cooking is something that brings you joy and peace. 
Each step of the cooking process can become a way for you to cast a spell. When you're cutting up ingredients or chopping vegetables, you can infuse them with love and your intention. And you can even work with herbs that support whatever it is you want to bring in or banish, right? So if you're making a potato salad, maybe you work with, you use some rosemary for protection, for grounding, for connection. Um, maybe put in a little bit of oregano for the same thing. Or if you're really into like making beverages like cocktails or mocktails, maybe you make a cocktail that has some lavender for healing and a little bit of mugwort because mugwort is associated with lunar and psychic abilities. It's the intention that is infused into the act that makes it magic. So you can just be cooking your normal meal and as you're stirring, maybe you stir clockwise, which is the the direction that we do things in and witchcraft to invite to manifest so you stir your soup or your whatever clockwise you stir your stir fry clockwise and you call in love and peace and blessings and before you eat you hold your palms above your food and you bless your food with healing with protection with love and you give thanks to every person who's helped get your food on your plate to every farmer to every trucker who's helped transport the food to the grocery store everything. Witchcraft is the most powerful when it is woven through your everyday and when it's a lens through which you live your world. Live your world. Live your life. You know what I mean. So what I mean by that is, again, your interests, your desires are all a part of this craft. So for me, I'm really, well, personally, my practice with witchcraft is really aligned with my devotion to the goddess, to the divine feminine, and specifically to faces of the divine feminine that are expressed as the goddess of love. So my practice works a lot with sexual energy. So if you're a slut or a sex worker or somebody who's just horny all the time, you can use sexual energy as a way to charge your spells. So whatever your spell is, if you're lighting a candle or if you are chanting and calling on a deity, which is called invoking, um, or if you are burning um, something up, uh, the way that you raise the energy for that can be through masturbation or sex. And at the peak of that energy, you send it out into the universe to make your spell a reality. So that's also, that can be a part of your practice, just like dance can be a part of your practice. Maybe you're really love, you really love movement. So when you're casting a spell, you work with dance or whenever you take a dance class, you have an intention for your class and you move as a way of connecting to that intention. So maybe you want to invite more love or more peace into your life. So you feel peace in your body. And as you move, you do movements that draw in peace. There are a lot of ways to be a witch. There's not one way. And there's a lot of different forms of occultism and spirituality that are a part of this path and that can be a part of this path. You can work with crystals, which are parts of the earth that have been formed over thousands of years that hold the wisdom and the protection and the peace of earth within them. They're beautiful to look at. 
And I do want to say that crystals have been incredibly overharvested. There's a lot of unethical sourcing of crystals. So as much as you can, be aware of that and try to source your crystals ethically. But you don't need a ton of crystals to work with crystals. I have probably like five or six crystals and I use four to five of those every fucking day in my meditation practice. I don't buy crystals often. If I do, it's very specific for an intention. So crystals are a way to focus your energy. You can hold them as you meditate. You can use them as you're casting a spell to further channel the energy. They act as an antenna for the, the specific kind of frequency you want. So if I'm doing a love spell, I might want to work with rose quartz, which is like the it girl of the healing world for love. She is the it girl for connecting to your heart and connecting to your softness and connecting to self-love and love in all her forms. But if you're calling it a love that's a little bit more spicy, if you want like, you know, maybe instead of calling it self-love, you're calling in partnership and good sex. You might want to work with a stone like carnelian that is connected to the sacral chakra, that is inspiring, that is fiery, that is grounded in your own power. And you might meditate with both of these stones in your palms and visualize the energy circulating through your body. Crystals can act as a focal point, but you don't need to work with them. Um, you can also work with tarot in the same manner. The tarot is a deck of 78 cards that was most likely originated in Italy as a card playing game. And it's been around for 400 years, 300 years um, at least. And it's broken into two parts. So the major arcana, arcana meaning hidden or secret, and the minor arcana. The major arcana are the tarot cards like the lovers, death, justice, temperance. They represent archetypal energy as well as big changes in life and the human experience that we go from birth to death to become awakened. They represent the totality of life experiences that one person goes through as a spiritual being. The minor arcanas are broken up into four different suits but technically two different parts. So the four suits are pentacles, chalices or cups, swords, and wands. Each one of these represents a different energy. The pentacles and a different kind of piece of your life. The pentacles are work and home and finances. The cups are love and healing and emotions. The swords are our thoughts, our mental activities and our beliefs. And the wands are our inspiration, our guiding forces and our sexuality. Starting at ace and moving through 10, each one has each, you know, each suit goes through ace, two, three, four, up to 10, and then traditionally goes from page, knight, queen, and king, with those four being called court cards. The court cards represent archetypal energies, people and things and energies we encounter on our path and energies and archetypes within us. So the major arcana cards represent the human experience and the evolution of a soul and the minor arcana cards are the day-to-day -day experiences we have that lead to those breakthrough moments of the major cards and the people and energies that we will meet and embody to get there 
we kind of think of the major arcanas as most important because they're like bigger and they're more powerful and there's less of them. But the minor arcana are, play out more frequently in our life. So they're just as important. And the tarot is a tool that can be used for divination. It is a tool that can be used to see the possible outcome based on what's going on right now in your body and your feeling and your spirit. But they do not cast something in stone. You have free will. There are information available to you reading the current situation that you have the ability to change. And the tarot are also talismans. They are infused with energy. They are infused with the vision of every person that's meditated with them, that's worked with them, that's pulled with them. They are living beings in that way called egregores. They are keys. So when you're casting a spell or ritual, or when you're casting a spell or working a ritual, you can pick a certain tarot card with intention. You can be like, I want to work with the energy of the lovers for this love spell. And you can place that on your altar between your carnelian and your rose quartz to call in this energy of love and relationships and connection. Each major arcana card is associated either with a zodiac sign, an element, or a planet. So you can use those associations to help you create spells and to help you with rituals. So for Leo, for the Leo new moon, if you wanted to call cast a spell for inspiration, you could use the card, the Ace of Wands, to call in new beginnings and new inspiration. And you could use Leo's card of the Major Arcana card of strength to call in that power of vision, of fortitude, of resilience. And of course, you can just divine. You can pull tarot cards as a way to check in with yourself. And then maybe you journal around this or you have a more thorough understanding of where you are in the moment and you write affirmations to support your intention for where you are that day. I love affirmations. I have a ton of affirmations on my Instagram. I do them every other week now. I align my affirmations with the weeks of the new moon, the full moon, or the solstices. And I highly recommend working with affirmations as a way to own your witchcraft because your words are powerful. Your words are a spell. Your words have potency. And what you repeat becomes. They are a way of transforming your inner world to align with your outer world. And you can start small. I am safe. I am learning to believe in my magic. I am learning to trust in the universe. And then get a little bit bigger. I trust in the universe. I trust in myself. I trust in the magic of the divine. Affirmations are a really powerful way to bring through your energy in your everyday life. You might want to say affirmations in the mirror in the morning, and you might want to weave them throughout your day. And maybe you pull a tarot card in the morning, you write an affirmation that feels aligned with that energy, you say it throughout your day, and you make that tarot card your phone background. An easy way to weave that energy through your life. Another way to work with your magic is by paying attention to the zodiac cycles and the signs of the zodiac. We've already mentioned that. You can pay attention to what 
the sun is in. And you can also pay attention to the changings of the season, which are called the Sabbaths. So just like the moon has its own, you know, cycle every 28 days, the sun also has its cycle, but it goes throughout the year because our calendar year is a solar calendar. But it kind of is, it kind of isn't. Our, our calendar is a solar calendar, but the Gregorian calendar is not necessarily matched up with the zodiacal and astrological calendar. So with this calendar, we honor the beginning of the astrological year on the spring equinox. But witches honor the beginning of our year on Halloween, which is called Samhain. So paying attention to the Sabbaths is another really powerful way to begin practicing witchcraft. If you are like, I don't know where to start, Start by honoring the full moons and the new moons and the Sabbaths. That'll get you there. You'll have multiple things a month to focus on. And from there, you can expand your practice to something that hopefully is every day. The Sabbaths, so for witchcraft, starts with Halloween, with Samhain, the day between this world and the next when the realms between the living and the dead are thinnest. Samhain is when we set goals for the year ahead, when we reflect back on the year behind us. It happens on October 31st and it's our first holiday. So Samhain is what's considered a cross quarter day. It falls between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. So after Samhain, the next holiday that we have is the winter solstice. This is when day and night are equal length. The winter solstice is also known as Yule, and it happens between December 20th to December 22nd or 23rd. Each year is going to be slightly different. You can use Google to know the exact dates or like a witchy calendar or app to help you with the exact dates. But the winter solstice is the longest night of the year, and this is a time, this is the darkest night of the year. This is when we are in the shadows, when we focus on our inner world, when we are at the depths of stillness, and when we do rituals to celebrate this, to honor the darkness within us, to honor the shadow. After the winter solstice, we have in bulk or candle mass, which happens between February 1st, February 2nd. That one is celebrated usually February 1st. And in bulk is the first sign of the earth waking up before spring. This is a time that happens between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, and it is a day to celebrate a return to light. The spring equinox happens after in bulk, and it's called Astara, and it is between March 20th to March 23rd. The spring equinox is when day and night are equal length. This is a celebration of fertility, of renewal. It marks the first day of spring, and it also marks the first day of the astrological year. It is when we begin Aries season, which is the first zodiac sign, and this is a time to celebrate and to dive into the depths of beauty and love and balance. After Astara is Beltane. Beltane happens on May 1st. It's called May Day. Beltane is when we celebrate fertility. It is a holiday of sexuality traditionally celebrated by jumping across bonfires with light, with love, and lust. Both Beltane and Astara are great days to practice sex magic, with Beltane specifically being really, really fertile, really, really powerful, and a great day to practice um, magic for whatever it is that you want to bloom and birth into the world. 
After Beltane, we have Letha. We have the summer solstice, the longest day of the year. This is the height of the sun. Another really good day for sex magic, for fertility magic, for art, for creation. Letha is like the orgasmic peak of the year. It is a day of celebration and of summer and of sunshine. And between the winter solstice in December and the summer solstice in June, we are in the waxing year. Just like we have the waxing moon when the light of the moon is growing, each day after the longest night of the year on the winter solstice gets a little bit longer until the longest day on the summer solstice. After the summer solstice, we begin the waning year. Each day gets a little bit shorter. Each night gets a little bit longer up until the winter solstice when the night is the longest. So after the winter, after the summer solstice, rather, we have Lunasad or Lamas Day on August 1st or 2nd. This is a day when we begin to prepare for fall, when we begin to see what has been coming for us since the spring equinox, what has been almost ready to harvest. This is a time of ripening, a time to continue basking in the fertility of what you've created as you prepare for things to slow down. And then we have Maybon, the autumn equinox. Traditionally, the spring equinox is when Persephone, the goddess of spring and the underworld, comes back to her rule as the queen of spring and on Maybon, the autumn equinox, which happens between September to September 23rd, she returns to the underworld to become consorts with Hades. So Maybon on the autumn equinox and Ostara, the spring equinox, are when the day and night are equal length. This creates a liminal space, a space of balance. This is a really great time to focus on harvesting, on what you're like what you have spent time on, what are what has been fruitful in your life. The fall equinox is a time for a bounty, for gratitude, for harvest, for a balance. And is a time to begin reflecting on the end of the year because after Maybon, the autumn equinox are back to Samhain, which is our new year. So both Lunasad or Lamaste on August 1st or 2nd and Maybon, the autumn equinox on September to September, September 20th to 23rd are really powerful days for gratitude. Lunasad or Lamaste again, on August 1st or 2nd, is like the witch's Thanksgiving. It's a great time for gratitude. But so is the autumn equinox when there's balance. And any of these days, any of the solstices or equinoxes or the days between are really powerful to reflect, to do magic. There is a stillness here. We have an ability to penetrate, to work with the spirit realm, which is something that witches are aware of. Witches know the power of the unseen to support us. We know the power of the spirit realm and of our ancestors, the spirits of flowers, of the earth, of herbs, of crystals. We can work with these allies to create rituals and to get in tune with those energies within us. So no matter if you're celebrating a holiday or making some tea with an herb or cooking or practicing candle magic, witches are aware of the spirit that lives in everything. We are aware that we are a microcosm of the universe, the macrocosm, and we work with energy to transform our life in our realm. So whether you're working with tarot to divine or oracle cards, 
Oracle cards are a set of cards used for divination and self-inquiry and perspective that don't have a specific structure like tarot cards that are created by an artist. So you can have animal oracle cards or goddess oracle cards or color oracle cards or plant oracle cards, herb oracle cards, oracle cards for specific themes like love and protection and healing. You can pull a card and use that as a tool to focus on your meditation or your spell work, and use that to guide you into the spirit realms. There's so many ways to be a witch, and I know this episode was kind of all over the place, but I hope that it helps. I hope that you liked it. And again, you can check out my book, Inner Witch, A Modern Guide to the Ancient Craft, or if you're in the UK, Craft, How to Be a Modern Witch, for even more about how to create a practice with witchcraft. So... I'll see you on the other side, babes. Thanks for tuning in. Love, Lust, and Magic is produced by Zach Toman.